record on this. And then I'll post the recording later. So. All right, well, good morning. We'll go ahead and get started. Y'all are pretty quiet today, so, because like silent. That, that helped me think, but I'm sorry. To, I don't know what the deal is. But like Kent said, it could be an issue with Sermon Audio because it's doing it on the computer and the phone, but it also could be because I transferred everything over. So, uh, regardless, we got the recording going, so I can post this up there, and hopefully everybody will um, be able to access that, um, and we'll hopefully get it going for the, the service, whether it's a problem on their end or ours. So, um, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Uh, just uh, continue to bless us and guide us as we study. And uh, thank you for these uh, gifts where we can reach many people, even when we have technological problems, that we can still uh, record and, and broadcast your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to continue with the Ten Commandments this morning. Uh, we are on page 13. In the book, um, we finished up the first table of the law so far. So we've done the first three commandments, which, uh, you know, our course, uh, thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God uh, in vain and uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we've looked at all three of those and those are, are very much dealing with our vertical relationship with God. And uh, the second table, commandments four through six, as we number them, remember there's different numbering systems. Um, these also, of course, are commandments from God and impact our relationship with God, but they also uh, specifically talk about what? I mean, what's the direction on these also? Yeah, yeah, so we have the vertical, but in here, in these, the second table, we have a lot of the horizontal uh, relationship, how we interact with others, families, every, everybody, right? As Jesus says, and, uh, that, and, and who is your neighbor? You know, everyone basically is your neighbor. So, so we're going to see that very, very clearly. Now, another distinction between the first and the second table is a non-Christian person um, can they partially keep the second table of the law? Yes, partially. Okay, that's important. None of us can keep the law. Nobody can follow all these commandments. Now, what about the first table, though? Can a non-Christian keep that that table at all? No because they haven't submitted to the one true God, right? So where you run into this, where you're talking to folks and they say, oh, I've kept most of the commandments. A lot of times they're talking about this, you know, uh, how they treat other people. They'll say, oh, I'm nice to the people. I volunteer for charity. So in part, you know, you, you, know, you can keep the, 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 the second table partially, um, whatever religion someone is, okay? But you can't keep the first table at all without submission to God. But even, again, does God grade on a curve and give partial credit? No. Okay, we got to keep the second table perfectly. Okay, so even if someone is a very fine, upstanding citizen and uh, they haven't done some of these things, like in how people are thinking of, like, we'll get to the fifth commandment, for example, thou shalt not murder. I haven't killed anybody, but we're going to see it goes deeper than that. Okay, which is, I've always thought, a pretty low standard when someone tells you that, right? You know, well, I haven't killed anybody. I've got that. Well, it's like, well, if that's all it takes to be a good be a good person, not actually literally killing someone, probably ninety nine plus percent of people would, you know, would qualify under that standard. But again, when we're talking about ourselves, the rule is we always try to lower the bar for ourselves, right? And then when we look at other people, then we're trying to raise the bar, you know. But we 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 are not judging by. We need to judge by God's standard, though. Okay, so let's go to the fourth commandment, and as we've been doing. 
uh, in our small catechism here. And I got some more. They came in the mail yesterday. So there's more, not only for our class, but for other folks in the congregation and to distribute. So uh, does someone want to read the fourth commandment and its meaning there? And it, that will go over to page four. A volunteer for the fourth commandment? All right, go ahead. <laughs> Get on the right page here. Thou shalt honor thy father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. We should fear and love God, that we may not despise our parents and masters, nor provoke them to anger, but give them honor, serve, and obey them, and hold them in love and esteem. Okay, so we're going to go through all this, but what are we not to do here? We're not to despise our parents and masters, and we'll see how this is extended beyond parents. And But what on the flip side, what are we supposed to do? honor, serve, and obey them, right? Hold them in love and esteem. Okay, so we see that, you know, again, we can sin by what we do, but we can also sin by what we, we don't do, okay? So, you know, if you're not, like, openly defying the authority, but you could still be, like, not uh, honoring, serving, and obeying it, okay? All right? Um, all right, so let's talk about this a little bit here. Uh, this is question number 13. Um, what's the theme? All these commandments have a theme. Okay, an overarching theme. What is the fourth commandment? It starts with an A. God's gift of what? Anybody want to figure it out? This starts with an A. Parents are this and others. Authority. Authority, yes. Very good. Okay. Yeah, that might be somebody saying uh, it's not streaming out. Let me. No. I sent out an email. We're having some technical problems but I am recording it. Sorry. All right. Okay. We're going to get a couple more. We'll see. All right. So, um, all right. So God's gift of authority, we are to honor, serve, and obey, just as we read in the small catechism there. Parents and guardians, as well as authorities in government, school, work, and church. It gives uh, uh, some other references there from the Proverbs. And, of course, kind of the headquarters of where you go with this, as far as governmental authority, is Romans chapter 13. Uh, really, the first seven verses there, it says 13.2, but uh, really the first six or seven verses of Romans 13, uh, you know, really hones us in on, on that authority, okay? So, in this commandment, God commands us to honor all earthly authorities as his what? Why do we have to honor this authority? Because they are God's what? Starts with an R. See if maybe we can figure this one out. Representatives. Okay, representatives. Okay, they're God's representatives on on earth, okay? Uh, all right, so let's talk about this a little bit. Um, sometimes people don't like authority, right? We're laughing, right? Because that's an understatement, right? Because again, our sinful nature is to rebel against authority, right? Um, and that's, you know, kind of even in our popular culture, we can say, well, even the founding of America, we rebelled against authority, right? The British, we thought they weren't treating us right. So we said, well, we're just going to do our own thing. So it's kind of in our American DNA. Uh, even before the revolution, why did the pilgrims come here to America? Religious persecution. 
Yeah, yeah, they, they were they were Puritans and the Church of England, they weren't getting along with them. So they said, well, we'll just pack up and come to America. And they settled in the New England area. And incidentally, that's kind of the cradle of the American Revolution. So they kind of had an issue with the British telling them what to do 150 years before the American Revolution started, okay? All right, so, all right. Now, without fading all the merits of that, just idea though, you know, and in, in the 50s you had, what was this, uh, James Dean, right? The rebel without a cause. You know, what are you rebelling against? What do you got, right? You know, kind of thing. So, so this is kind of, you know, not just an American, but a, a, a human thing is kind of do as I please. I don't want to submit to any authority, okay? Um, so obviously the commandment specifically mentions the parental authority here. Now, the thing about this we have to remember, again, we look at all these rules, if you want to call them that God gives us. Are these for our own good? Yeah. Yes. Now, when you're a child, you may not see it that way, all the things your parents are doing and things like that. Um, what I found as you become a parent, then you start to understand some of those things, why you couldn't do certain things, and, you know, because you, you get put in that situation yourself, you know. And so all this is for good, because without order, um, parental authority you know, teaching, and, and part of this is not just authority, it's, you know, teaching and passing this on to the next generation. Without that, society starts to crumble, okay? Without the, the, the family unit that God has put in there and the authority that he's, put, he's uh, given us. And I think you can look at, at our own country as the nuclear family has faced many challenges, and I don't think many people would argue that's a positive thing for our country, okay? And you can look at this through other societies. And the same thing with, with other types of authority. When you go to school, there's a teacher, and the teacher has uh, authority in that classroom and to make rules and things like that. Um, coaches on sports teams, you know, somebody has to be in charge and decide what plays are going to be run and who's going to get in the game and things like that. Um, anything, really. There needs to be some type of, of leadership. In the church, we have a pastor, right, that's, that's called as the you know, the leader of the, the congregation in that, in that spiritual sense. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we have police officers, you know, that have the authority of, of the law behind them. Uh, and uh, we have government as well, okay? Sometimes in some countries you get to vote like we do. Some countries you don't, okay? Or you might get to vote, but there's only one legal political party. I mean, back in the Cold War, you know, the Soviet Union, they got to vote. Did you know that? People got the vote, but yeah, or only one party. Maybe if you're lucky, you had a choice between communist A and communist B, but generally was only one candidate. You know, Saddam Hussein was elected president of Iraq many times with like 95% plus of the vote. Okay. But there was no opposition. And of course, there's a lot of pressure. If you didn't get out and vote for him, you know, you weren't necessarily a loyal citizen. You might be in trouble. Okay. So, you know, there's all these different systems, but the idea of, of authority um, even a bad government is better than no government at all, okay? I think I did a, maybe in the last year, it's been maybe in the summer, I did a two-part sermon on this. You can go back and get more detail on sermon audio if you want, um, you know, more than we're going to get today. So this authority is for our own good because without authority, things break down. And of course, the ultimate authority is God. And then if these are his representatives, if we are to respect God, then we are also to respect the representatives that he, he puts over us. Now, does this mean that we always agree with what the authorities tell us to do, whether it's parental, teacher, government? Of course not. Does this mean that everything they do is good? Of course not. Okay? 
All right. So, but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that they're they're put in that position of authority. Okay. And I mean, you see this, you know, in our modern societal time. There's so much question of authority. You know, uh, you know, I've had kids do different activities and things like that, and they get in there and the supervisor of the activity or the sport or whatever. Sometimes you may not agree with all the things that they're doing. And the classic thing is the kid says, parents say, my kids should be playing more, right? And they go and cuss out the coach after practice or whatever because, you know, junior's not getting in the game as much. Uh, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Now, maybe you have a concern. You, like the Bible says, you go to him privately, talk to him about it, but you don't scream out things from the sideline. Put, you know, Bobby in or we'd be winning. You know, the coach is so dumb. You know, but you, you see things like this all the time, don't you? Okay. Um, Without, you know, I know this is still fresh, so it's it's because all this has been going on this year. We have a lot of challenges to authority in our own country right now, don't we? Okay, um, we've seen this, uh, of course, on the the sixth with what happened at the Capitol. Uh, we've also saw it throughout the whole year. Okay, and so when you have, say, a federal courthouse that is assaulted by people, uh, you have businesses that are looted and burned down. Whatever the cause is, whether it's just or not, that's not something we see in the scripture that Christians should be doing. Okay, in the same manner, if we don't like how an election turned out, we are not supposed to, you know, assault the house of government and break it up. Okay, that's that's not Christian behavior. Okay, Um, and I think that's pretty clearly supported by the New Testament, uh, because you have to remember they were living under a, when all these things are written about government submit to the authorities the government bears the sword jesus says pay your taxes to the romans he says look at your money and see what's on there and they say caesar okay render unto caesar what's caesar's okay so we have all this and we have to were these representative governments that people elected no they were not the romans were occupying israel and then of course the whole roman empire were they always nice to christians these governments no they were not but do we ever see Jesus or the apostles uh, saying or doing anything like, okay, we need to start some kind of militaristic group and try to overthrow? No, we don't see that. Okay, so I, I don't think we see that, that model in the scripture. So as Christians, even if it's an authority we don't always agree with, we are to uh, submit to that authority. Okay, it sounds kind of simple, but that's kind of out of whack, I think, on both ends of the political spectrum. Okay, so we need to be very clear whether it's coming from the right or the left, you know, taking matters into your own hands and committing acts of violence and things like that are not what we as Christian people uh, stand for, okay? And of course, in, you get in the political realm and both sides are going to, one side is saying, well, this side's doing this and this side's doing that. Uh, but we, whatever the, the source is, that's, that's not what we see as scriptural. Now, one other thing with this, let's go to Acts chapter five though, because maybe you have some questions swirling around in your mind those here or maybe somebody viewing this not live today but maybe viewing the recording let's go to Acts chapter 5 and take a look at this okay Um, all right uh, chapter 5 27 through 29 specifically here is kind of the culmination of this this episode that's been going on here Um, and does someone want to read 27 through 29 of chapter 5 for us in the book of Acts I'll do it Okay. And when they had brought, brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. 
Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Okay, so here, what's going on here is as the gospel's going forth, there's persecution against this, and Peter and the apostles actually were arrested uh, for this. And they were, when they were released, they were told, well, don't go out and do that. You can't talk about this Jesus. You can't preach your message anymore. Okay? Uh, we see the apostle Paul and his ministry persecution coming against him, sometimes by uh, local or, or Roman authorities. Uh, but what, what does Peter say here about this order not to preach the gospel? Are they going to follow it? No. No. Okay. Well, wait a second. Didn't I just say we're supposed to respect and submit to our parents and our governing authorities? Okay. So there, wh- what, is this ver- what is this passage telling us here about submission to authority? Whether it's parental, teacher, you name it. God always comes first. God always comes first, right? What? That sounds like the first commandment, doesn't it? Okay. It all comes back to that. So... If there is an authority figure telling you to do something and by doing that would cause you to sin. Jesus said, go out, we're going to hear this morning, go out and preach the gospel to every creature, to all nations. Jesus said this, because this is a matter of life or death. So they're telling the apostles, stop preaching the gospel, which means stop telling people about Jesus, which means stop telling them about the one thing that will save them from sin, death, and hell. They're like, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't stop doing that. Okay? So the exception, if you want to call it that, to this principle of submitting to authority is if by, by submitting to that authority, it would cause you to sin. Okay? Now, we need to be very clear about this. Does that mean you don't like a law? It's you're against your preference, so you don't have to follow it. No, not at all. I think the speed limit, I mean, I'll give you an example right down the road. Okay, uh, you go to, I know you guys come up this every uh, 441 coming from Athens, okay? And you go through Nicholson there, right? And Kent's shaking his head. And I, I'm doing the same thing. And the speed limit drops from 65 to 45. And it's a four-lane road. Now, it's not only in little downtown Nicholson, which is a tiny little town. I guess about 1,000 people. It goes for like, what, two or three miles past? It's like 45? And you're like, come on. Come on. What? This is ridiculous. However, if... One of us is pulled over for speeding in there. Should we let the officer have it and say, this is dumb? No, we submit. He says, license and registration. You say, yes, officer. Yes, okay, yes, sir. And here it is. And if you get a ticket, you get it because that's the law. Now, in our country, if we don't like that law, we could petition the state or whoever sets that. And we could organize a group of people to submit to our legislature. But we... We, I, and I think Kent's probably going to agree with me. We think that's kind of dumb that the 45 goes that long, but that's the law, right? Is, are we sinning by having to go slower through Nicholson? No, we are not. Okay. Now there are other cases like this where if the government says you cannot preach the gospel or, um, you must turn, and this happened in World War II, you must turn over Jews to the government knowing that they will be killed. Okay, so by following certain directives, uh, this could cause you to sin. Okay, let's take it out of the realm of government. I've been talking a lot about that because that's what's probably on everybody's mind right now, but somebody might be listening to this years down the road. Um, The parental authority as well. Okay, tragically, you have cases of, uh, in teachers and coaches, you know, it's like of child abuse, for example. Okay, 
And if, uh, if an adult tells a child, do not tell anyone about this. You cannot tell, this is our secret or you're going to get in trouble if you do it. Should the child report that? If they're asked, should the teacher, if they are, we're actually, we are bound by law in Georgia. And I said, somebody, I know you're in education. You know this. We are bound by law to report any suspected abuse. And then they will be investigated, whether it's legitimate or not. But we have to report that. So, again, that's a case where, okay, this is an authority established by God. But if doing what that authority says would cause me to sin, then I don't submit to it. Now, again, does it, say, does it say Peter pulled out a sawed-off shotgun and started mowing down the council or set fire to all the buildings? And said, no, doesn't say it. They did it, and if, it came, if they face consequences for it, then so be it. Okay, that, that's our model here. Um, as Christians, we, we, there may be times we say we, we cannot do that. We cannot bow the knee to Caesar, okay, on this. However, we also have to understand that may come with persecution. And many Christians have paid with their lives for this. Okay? Go ahead, Kent. Yeah, so an example of that, we'll talk more about it next week, is abortion. Yeah, that's coming up in five, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, and that. The authority that you, you have to do this as a, as a doctor or a nurse, and you, know, you, are, you are bound right. to do it. But. Yeah. Well, and I think, I, I don't think we've got quite to that point where, like, you know, they can still object to that doing the practice. Uh, but, you know, that day could come and say, you have to do this, you know. And uh, then as a Christian, we would have to say, no, <laughs> I can't do that. You know, if that means, you know, you kick me out of the practice or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so sometimes these decisions become, you know, pretty difficult. But this is the idea. We're looking at authority, God's representatives. Again, and it's parental authority is the key focus here, but you have all these other. And as a parent... When you send your child to school in normal times, if your kids are going, but even if they're on Zoom or whatever, you know, uh, you are you are basically entrusting the care of your child to that teacher for that time. So while your child is in that in their care, they are under their authority, okay, and they need to respect such such authority, okay, and that for parents too, okay. So so there are ways to you know air your grievances, but uh, we have to submit to the the authority. All right, because they're God's representatives. And again, if you read Romans 1, it makes it very clear that earthly governments are uh, put in place by God. And again, they're not talking about a representative democracy. There. They're talking about an empire that's persecuting Christians when Paul is, is writing that under the inspiration of the Spirit. Okay, So even if someone, if, if you believe that the last election we have wasn't fair, that it was basically stolen, well, guess what? Joe Biden's still going to be president on Wednesday. Okay, well, you know, so even if, if you believe that, he's still going to be president, okay? And just like in the 2016 election, some people didn't like Trump won, but he's still going to be the president. And, you know, that comes with authority. Again, there's this Roman 5 thing, but other than that, we have to submit to that authority. And, you know, uh, I'm going to pray today in the prayers There's uh, for uh, the new administration coming in and probably next week too. So, you know, when we started this church, President Obama was in office. We prayed for, for him. We prayed for President Trump. We're going to pray for President Biden, too. Now, does that mean we agree with everything those leaders are doing? No. But we pray for God to guide them in their decisions, that they would make wise decisions. Okay, that, that's the manner in which we pray for our leaders, which is also commanded in the New Testament. Pray for kings and those in authority. All right? Pray for your pastor. I like that. Please. Okay, pray for your pastor. Pray for your parent, uh, kids' teachers, their coaches. You know, pray for these people in authority that they would make wise and godly decisions. All right?
Any other questions on that? Again, there's a lot more there, but I guess I'll refer you back to the sermon I did this summer when we had all this kind of unrest going on uh, about, about this. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing, too, is there's a great responsibility in that commandment because later on it says that don't provoke your children to anger. That's and, in uh, Ephesians, I believe. And, yeah. and I think part of that is yes, six, that, you know, even authority, don't provoke people to do things that, you know, like turn them over to Jews. You know, don't, right. don't provoke people to do that yeah. or turn in your neighbor Okay. you see them do it. Right, right. And... and you opened up kind of a whole other avenue of this, so, but that's okay. But let me just say just briefly on that, because that's an important point too, that if you are in a position of authority, whatever that is, we are supposed to use that authority wisely, right? Be servant leaders. That's the model of Jesus, right? The servant leader, not I've got power. Let's get drunk with it and, and, uh, and abuse everyone under my authority. Okay, we look at the home, you know, uh, the husband as the spiritual leader of the family. But are you supposed to like lord that over your wife and say, I'm the boss here and, oops, sorry about that. I just turned the volume off. That's not somebody from church, I don't think. Could be anybody, yeah. So, um, the, uh, you know, we have to use that. And the same thing as if you're a teacher or a coach or whatever, we are supposed to, that's the flip side of it. Yes, you have this authority, but it's supposed to be used in a God-honoring way. And as he mentioned the passage from Ephesians there, it, that's what it says, you know, parents train up your children in righteousness, the fear and admonition of the Lord, and do not provoke them to wrath. Okay, so in our families, okay, think of your spouse, think of your kids, and your kids probably know this too. There are certain things that set each of us off, that push our buttons, right? Okay, if you know what that is about somebody, and you willingly push that button, okay, that's not good, is it? Okay, you, you know that, that point. Uh, Shoshana's got a, hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing this, she printed this off the internet and put it on the refrigerator. It's like one of those um, like electric eel fish. I think it's like from Finding Nemo or something. And the little fish say, look, it's mom's last nerve. Let's touch it. And then, they t- then the next little frame is the thing all lit up like, rawr, you know, like this. But, you know, we all have those. You know, let's go touch it. So we don't want to do that when we're in those leadership positions or, you know, say certain things that we know are going to, you know, just poke someone in the eye about this, okay? Or a decision we're going to make and, you know, and people will do that. They'll fall back and, on the scripture and say, well, I'm the parent, I'm the husband, I'm the whatever, so you got to do whatever say. Well, okay, you have that authority, but are you using that authority in a God-pleasing way? Okay, so it is two-sided. So thanks for bringing that up. Again, there's a lot with this, but I think that that was worthy of, of a mention there. So uh, let's go to the fifth commandment. All right, fifth commandment. Um, let's go to our catechism and read what the fifth commandment says and what does this mean. Someone want to volunteer for that? This is on page four in your small catechism. Go ahead, uh, Krista. Thou shalt not kill. We should fear and love God that we may not hurt nor harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily need. Yeah. Okay, so it's, that, okay, don't kill your neighbor, obviously. <laughs> Maybe this is the most obvious one. But what? Help and befriend him in every bodily need. So, so helping your neighbor uh, with their needs and things like that that they need. Okay? Um, and again, as Jesus said, I think I said at the beginning, I don't know if it was before we formally started, and who is your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. Okay? Um, all right, so thou shalt not kill. All right, so this commandment concerns God's gift of what? The fifth commandment is about God's gift of what? Life. Yeah, that one was pretty easy. I think everybody just jumped out with that one. Life. 
Okay? God is a God of life. He is the Lord of life. Okay? You see this throughout the scripture, Old and New Testament, over and over and over again. God is the one who loves and promotes and provides life. What does the devil do? The exact opposite. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he's been doing since the fall, right? Okay, so we see this in the scripture and we see it in society, don't we? We see two streams. We see one stream that uplifts uh, and and, and promotes life. Then you see another stream that promotes death and all the things that come under that. Okay, so I mean, this is... This is a big overarching issue here. Life and death, light and darkness. Okay? And uh, so, now, uh, God forbids to take the life of another person. Okay? Now, I do want to jump down. Do you have the little note at the end of that? It says note at the end of number 15. Different Hebrew words for kill. Do you have that in your study guide or is that just in the teaching? Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, I'll, I'll tell you. All right. So, Here's what we do have to note this, okay? The better translation of, of this from the Hebrew is actually murder. That's, that's the Hebrew word there that's used. Um, thou shalt not murder. And I think some of the translations may even say that, the more modern translations. But thou shalt not kill. But um, the, the, the literal Hebrew word there, it's, it's like in most languages... Again, we'll see in the sermon, there's different, you know, in Greek, the different words for children and things like that. And this is in English. Uh, there's different words for kill, okay, to describe different types of killing. Um, and this is the Hebrew word for, uh, for murder. Uh, the Hebrew word for kill, a couple other ones, it, one of them is sahat. And that's used in the Bible if it's slaughtering animals for food. So if they're talking about killing an animal for food in the Bible, it will talk about, it'll use the word sahat in Hebrew. Uh, and then there's another word, harag, uh, which, is, um, which is kill, slay, or destroy. And then the word here is rasha, which is kill, murder, or slay, is what that literally means. So, so rasha, the Hebrew word rasha is used here. Okay, now I, I bring that forward because there are times when killing takes place that is not murder. Okay. All right, there's, there's a distinction. Are, are all, is all times that life taken murder? No. Anybody have an example? War. War. Yeah, just wars. Okay, that's a whole thing we talk about. But, you know, we've leaned heavily on Augustine and his, you know, what he wrote centuries ago about the idea of a just war. There's just wars and there's unjust wars. Um, so there are times, unfortunately, again, this is not God's preference because when he created the world, there was no death, right? There was no, uh, there was no uh, murder and mayhem. And then when he returns, it will be that way. But there are times when uh, there is killing that takes place that saves the life of another person, okay? A soldier. So that's why as Lutheran Christians, do we forbid our members from serving in the military? No, we do not. Okay, I, I joined the army when I was 17. Okay, so, you know, there was, you know, I did. And uh, so, you know, or like a self-defense uh, situation, okay? Or you're defending the life, uh, you know, of, uh, of your family or something like that, okay? So we do want to draw that, that distinction there that the word that's used here is for murder, you know, the intentional, you know, taking of the life of another person, 
okay? So um, let's talk about a few other things with this. Um, so this includes not only like murder, like in the first degree, like we'd have in our justice system. Like if you look at Genesis chapter nine, verse six, uh, God talks about that, uh, why this is so serious, the shedding of blood. And of course we have the first murder is, is Cain killing his brother Abel. It didn't take long, did it? After the fall and this, this started happening. But I uh, can't mention this, but there's some other things that would fall under this. Thou shalt not kill, thou, thou, thou shalt not murder thing as well. And what's one of those, Kent? Abortion, Abortion right. This is where a, a child in the womb is intentionally destroyed. Their life is intentionally uh, taken. Is that legal in our society? Yeah. Okay. And the laws vary from different you know states and all that. Okay. But again, just because a, a leader says this is now deemed morally acceptable, that doesn't mean it is to God. Okay. And so we can look at certain passages in the Bible uh, that would apply to abortion specifically like Psalm 139, I think that one's referenced here, uh, where it says, you know, I knit you together in your mother's womb. That's kind of a, a big one to go to, because if God has already given us life and formed us in the womb, then, you know, that's it's a human life. OK, it's just small. And, you know, if you and we know from medical technology now when you know, have you seen any ultrasounds lately? Wow. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, even with. Say, you know, the three kids, you can look at the ultrasound picture because they're, they're like 10 years apart. And it's amazing. Like James is, it's like a 3D picture. I mean, you look at that picture in there and I mean, just that very early stage in the pregnancy, this is obviously a human being, folks. I mean, you know, maybe there was an excuse before all this ultrasound. There really wasn't. But, you know, people could say, well, it's just a little, little thing in there. It's not human. I mean, look at these pictures, folks. I mean, this is a baby you see in there even from very early okay so so god has given us that technology so um so god gives us life at conception and uh and so we are not to take that life so again this is the overarching theme we can go to these specific verses that tell us life begins even before birth but at the same time it's even bigger than that because this is a whole overarching theme of the bible that that life is precious to god okay and it needs it needs to be preserved uh, and next Sunday, as Kent alluded to, is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. So we'll hear about we'll hear about that some more next week. And also, not just we want to hear, okay, this is wrong, but we want to hear, okay, what do we do about that? What's the second part? Luther says, how do we approach this? Because there are women in very difficult situations with this, and what can we do to help them? Okay, so we're going to hear about that that next Sunday uh, with Kent. What Kent's going to share with us about a ministry out of, out of Florida that's doing that. Okay, what else we have here? We have uh, euthanasia. This is something that's called like mercy killing. So, you know, people are old, they're sick, they can't really contribute anything to society, just, you know, just off of, you know, and, you know, take this little pill. Um, where you get into this, a, a little bit of murky waters is, is this, is, is this the same thing as someone making their wishes known that, um, I do not want to be kept artificially alive on a machine for an indefinite period of time. No. Okay. Okay. And, and the distinction there is that there are, are you, are we, are we allowing God to work in his timing? And when he wants to call us home, whether we're ready or not, we're going to go. Okay. But then also that's different than if we provide these, we can have hook people up to machines now, you know, to make them breathe. You know, make their heartbeat and all this kind of stuff. 
Okay, and that's a decision, you know, you need to make those, those wishes known. But what we're talking about here with euthanasia is, you know, just basically speed, you know, not letting the natural process take, I mean, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in a hospital and I have no brain activity, my heart's not beating, you hook me up to a machine, okay, but if you unplug that machine, I'm gonna go. Okay, but that's different than saying, hey, it doesn't look good, take this pill and it'll just kill you. That, that's, it's not equivalent, okay? Um, question or comment? I was saying having elderly parents, uh, the key is DNR, do not resuscitate. Do not resuscitate, right. So again, it's using those artificial yeah. means. You know, and some people might say, well, yeah, I don't care if I'm hooked up to a machine for 30 years, keep me hooked up, you know? And there are people who've done that. And you know, there's even been people that have come out of comas like 20, 25 years later. Now to me, I'm just, I could spend that 25 years with Jesus, I'm cool with that, okay? But, you know, but there, it, it does happen. It's not, under, I mean, it's a real Rip Van Winkle kind of thing. You know, I read a few years ago, a guy, he like went into a coma in like 1988, and then he wakes up, and can you imagine <laughs> how the world has changed? What's this internet thing that you speak of, you know? Um, you know, so, uh, so, so that, that, but we, we are not to play God here in ending life, either in the womb or at the end of life by our own, you know, judging how valuable this is to society. And the other one, of course, is suicide. Okay, and that is the intentional, when someone intentionally takes their own life. Why is that sinful? Because, again, you're, you're playing God. Yeah, you're, you're playing, you know, with all of these things, the idea is that we are putting ourselves in the place of God and making these decisions that only, you know, God should be making, you know, when life begins and when life uh, ends, okay? Um, so, so we want to promote life and be positive and, and promote life. Um, now, only it says only lawful government as God's servant may execute criminals and fight in just wars. Okay, again, so that goes back to the fourth commandment. So the governmental authority. Okay, this is a di- there's a difference between somebody going through a legal process where they have a, a trial, evidence is prevent, uh, presented, uh, there's a, a punishment administered, than a lynch mob, okay? All right, where a mob, and in the Old West, you saw this a lot. The guy's guilty, he stole some cattle, and then a bunch of people show up at the jail, break him out of jail, and go hang him from the nearest tree. Okay, that's vigilanteism, okay? Not working through the legal process. Um, so, so God's servants are the only ones given that authority uh, to execute criminals and fight just wars. All right, any other questions on Fifth Commandment? There's a lot there, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yes, yes. Okay. That no, that's that's uh, that's number sixteen. Oh. Okay, and we'll probably finish up with this now. So we'll get through another two this week. But in my defense, I think we started about twenty minutes late. We probably could have got at least through the six because that's another big one too. But uh, we'll probably just get through uh, the fifth today. Um, okay. God forbids us to hurt or harm any person in thought, word, and deed. There you go. Right. So. Again, we set a pretty low bar when we say we've kept the fifth commandment because I haven't murdered anyone. You know, I haven't actually, like, gone out and murdered someone, okay? And I will add with all these things, is there forgiveness even for this? If one repents before God, yes. Now, again, we have to keep the two kingdoms in mind. That does not mean if someone is in prison for murdering someone and they say they're sorry, that we just let them go. They, they're still, you know, there's a legal justice system that takes place there, okay? 
but it does mean that if they die in prison, or even if they're executed, if they have repented of their sins, okay, then they, they will be with the Lord. The thief on the cross, we call the thief on, he was probably a murderer. The, again, the word that's used there is kind of like for a, an insurrectionist, you know, not just like a guy. He didn't steal a candy bar from, you know, Hasim's, you know, corner market, okay, and he was being executed. I mean, he did something pretty, pretty bad. Okay, um, so uh, I think the King James used the words malefactor is the word they use uh, for him. You know, it just sounds bad, right? So this guy was not just a pity thief, okay? Um, so, so there is forget for all of this. Again, when we talk about some of these sensitive things like abortion and euthanasia, even people who've been involved with that, there is forgiveness, okay? All right, so that always has to be part of the conversation. Go ahead, uh, Sandy. I'm not trying to muddy the water. Okay, but good. You know I gotta say something. Yeah, yeah, because you've been in the prisons and all this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since the advent of DNA, yes, yes, hundreds, mm -hmm. hundreds of people have been found innocent and exonerated of the yes, crimes. Yes, yes. There have been many, many on death row. Yeah. That mm -hmm. have also spent 25, yeah. 30 years yeah. in for a crime they didn't commit. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, you know, the law is administered by humans. Yes, yes. And so we're fallible. Yes. And mm -hmm. I feel like, that, you know, I'm wondering how many people actually were executed mm -hmm. that never did anything right, wrong. Right. And it's just, I mean, not to muddy the water, right. but just to consider... Yeah, that all that is true that, you know, yeah. we have this system just like, you know, like we talked about that is put in place by God, parental authority, teacher authority, everything. But it is it's still run by sinners, even with the best intentions. Right. So there still can be mistakes that that are made so that, you know, we need to be. Conscious. And of course, you know, if you go into a prison, 90, probably, I don't know, you probably know better than me, but most people are probably going to tell you they're they're innocent, you know, but some of them may be. OK, some of them may be. Uh, but, you know, again, we have to, there's a process, you know, process that we have to work through this. And, of course, the DNA evidence has really changed a lot of things. It's also caught a lot of people that for years escaped uh, justice, okay? This guy, you guys came from California. They just caught him, what, two years ago? The, what they call the Golden State Killer. I mean, one of the most heinous criminals. They found him through DNA evidence. And it wasn't even his. It was like with all these family tree stuff now. They're catching so many people because... Even if they don't have your DNA, if you have family members that submit their DNA to these, what is, what's one of the uh, companies that does like Ancestry.com and all, they can take that and match it up and say, well, if this, there's only, this person is a, has to be directly related to them. And that's how they caught him. I think it was like one of his kids or something did one of these tests and they matched, they traced it back to him, you know? So, you know, there's a lot of probably people sweating it out out there now. Because, you know, they're like, if your family, don't submit one of those DNA tests, you know, maybe they're trying to hide something. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a, a good point. All right, well, let's, let's go back to this here. Um, this includes, this is what Pat just said, harboring hatred and anger toward anyone in our hearts. Matthew 5, I know we're about out of time, so let me jump. I'll just do this one. This is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 22. But I, uh, let me read 21 too. You have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill. 
And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, that is fool, shall be in danger of the council. Whoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So again, can we keep the fifth commandment? No, because these people, Jesus is the same in Jesus' time saying, well, I haven't killed anybody. I've kept the fifth commandment. He says, ah, but have you hated someone in your heart? Have you wished someone was dead? Have you wished something bad would befall them? Okay, well, you just broke the fifth commandment. Okay, so again, Jesus takes these commandments to a whole new level from legalism to what's this really come back to? Our hearts, right? Okay, this comes back to the, the intentions of our heart. So even for that, we must ask forgiveness, those things that we, those inward thoughts that we, we think that are they're so bad. So, um, and it gives you a bunch there, so we should help and support others. Again, that's the, the positive side of this. Okay, all right. Abortion is wrong, but what about these women in these difficult situations? There's no, the father has flown the coop, you know, they, they need to work, they can't. What, what do we do? Well, we have to help our neighbor, right? Okay, so we're gonna, So there's always two sides of this. Okay, suicide is wrong, but how do we help the person who's struggling with de depression and things like that? Okay, all right? So we, we always have to look at both those things. Um, be merciful even to our enemies. Oh, oh, yes, yes. So Jesus says, right? Love your enemies, pray for them. Okay, you don't like a certain person in authority? Pray for them, pray for them, okay? Um, this would cover substance abuse, drug use, alcohol abuse, things like that. Why? Because our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we're doing things that damage our body, then we, we are also sinning. Okay? You see a couple references there. Um, Luke 6, 27. Let me read that last verse there. That's in bold. So definitely the bold ones we usually want to look at uh, specifically. But you can look up even more of those. Luke 6, 30, uh, 27, excuse me is, but I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good to them, which hate you. Okay, again, that flies in the face of everything, you know, our world will tell us, but we are to love our enemies. Again, does, does that mean we agree with everything our enemies are, are doing? No. Do we endorse all the things they're doing, maybe horrible things? No. But we still love them. Okay, we don't do, we, uh, we are not, you know, we can't take the law into our, our, the law, even though it's imperfect, we have to let the, the justice system, you know, uh, handle a lot of those things. We can't just become vigilantes, you know, and, and take things into our own hands. So we are to love our enemies, pray for them, and you never know, maybe that enemy will one day become a friend. It's happened before, folks. Doesn't always happen, but it, but it, it does happen, okay? And of course, with all of this, as we wrap up, when we, we have issues with other people, we always have to turn inward to our own sinfulness, okay? Uh, you know, we have to, we have to, examine our own hearts and see how wicked and sinful we are as well at the same time that we're saying, you know, this, this is wrong, okay? And we don't want to be that, like that Pharisee. I always remember that in the Bible. And, you know, he's self-righteously praying to God saying, oh, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not like this guy over here. You know, I mean, that's, but, but how easily can we do that? You know, okay? But that's, that's one of those scriptures I always have to constantly remind myself of. Again, it doesn't mean we don't call sin, sin. It doesn't mean we don't speak out against things that are wrong. But we always do that in the context of examining our own wicked hearts and, and asking for repentance. All right? Great questions and comments. All right? 
Well, we didn't get to the sixth commandment. That's another fun one, right? You know, that's always the one pastors dread teaching in confirmation, you know, because you know, kids at this age, what do they know? What don't they know about this kind of stuff? But we'll, we'll get into that next next Sunday about adultery and, uh, and sexual uh, purity. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, next Sunday as we continue to go through. Any other last minute questions or comments? Some, some good ones today. So, all right, well, let's close with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you that you have given us life and abundant life. And we pray that we would, uh, we would walk in, in the spirit and that we would love our neighbors, even those ones that are hard for us to love, that we would submit to godly authority, uh, that we would understand that you have given us authority for our own good and that uh, this, is a, this maintains order and that we can uh, live as, as your people. So we just pray that we would always uh, repent of our sins, that we would always reach out to others speaking law and gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.